Hey everyone, it's your host of See Jurassic Right, Stephen Ray Morris here, just dropping in to say, I hope you've been enjoying all the new episodes in 2023 and 2024 so far. There are new interviews with filmmakers, musicians, scientists, the screenwriter of Land Before Time, audio essays about the rich history of the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World franchise, and all the news about the upcoming animated show Jurassic World Chaos Theory and the as-of-yet untitled Jurassic World sequel coming next summer. I really need your help supporting the show right now, and you can do that by leaving a tip and or giving a monthly follow on Patreon, patreon.com slash There are $1 and $5 tiers, but more is coming. Sharing the show, giving five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts, and liking and commenting on social, at Stephen Ray Morris on Instagram and Twitter, goes a long way to help boosting the show's visibility again online in this new era. I'm an independent podcaster and your support is so important and means the world to me in keeping this podcast running. Link to the Patreon is in the show notes. Hold on to your butts. Thank you. And now on to the show. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One, two, three, four. Filled with on fright. See Jurassic right. In the number light. All right, I'm, re- I'm recording. It's, I mean, it's a tradition at this point. You know her, you love her. It's always, it's always, it's always Halloween. I don't know what else I was going to say. It's always dinosaurs. It's always dinosaurs. I mean, I I feel like Renaissance woman. I always introduce you as like since the beginning. It's Luce Tomlin Brenner. Thank you for having me back for Halloween. And you're having me over. I'm at your place. Yes. It's nice. And it's been a little bit since you've been over. Yes. I feel like baloney, maybe a percast. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think it was the percast. That was the last time was when we had, yeah, Baloney, all three cats have been on the percast. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, we're talking about cryptids today. I'm so thrilled. I am very open-minded about cryptids. Okay. I have not seen anything that I know of, but I love the idea of them existing because I believe that our world is very mysterious and there's all kinds of things that can't be accounted for. And I like not accounting for things. Yeah. I'm not somebody who's like, let's prove it. Let's, let's debunk 
all of these myths. Like, yes, let's debunk misinformation that affects people in the living world and politics and wars and education. But like, do we really need to try to debunk Nessie? It's cool if there's like a giant dinosaur living in Scotland. Let's just let it be a mystery. I agree. And I think it's the, I mean, we got our own little cryptid here today. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Baloney is, uh, he has wings. He's a flying cat. Yeah. Yeah. The orange. Yeah. The orange. I'm trying to think of like the great orange Bellini or something. (laughs) The great orange Bellini. (laughs) But he needs a cape. I think it's that thing where it feels like in every like 90s, like, like moralistic animal or like climate change thing where it's like, yeah, what's your cutting off the foot of Bigfoot to prove he exists? I feel like that metaphor kind of is perfect for for what you're saying. Yes, yeah, yeah, like capturing King Kong and like tying him to the stage and then he runs amok in New York City. It was beauty that killed the beast. No, it was capitalism. Yes. <laughs> it's always yes. What is beauty if not linked to capitalism? I am really I so with ghosts, I'm very open-minded about ghosts. I've also never seen a ghost, but I'm a little scared of ghosts. Like mm-hmm. I try to put out this energy of like, I um, mean you no harm, but I don't want to see you because I have heard from people who do interact with ghosts that the less open you are, the less likely it is to see them. So I'm just like, don't, don't hang with me. I think I'm like <laughs> going to be too freaked out if I saw a ghost, but I welcome you to show up for other people if you want to. But with cryptids, I would love to see some type of odd creature in the distance. Yeah. You know, it's so funny because I hadn't really associated anything cryptid related with this podcast in particular. Uh, obviously working on my favorite murder for seven years, I became very intimate with like the Mothman and yes. I mean, Bigfoot and Nessie, but yeah, I hadn't really thought of dinosaurs and cryptids being the same thing, even though like that notion of the lost world or like dinosaurs at the center of the earth or like the idea that dinosaurs as cryptids are sort of unexplainable creatures, like you're saying. Yes. And isn't, wouldn't Nessie be considered a dinosaur? Yeah. I get, yeah. Some people would, or like, (laughs) <laughs> Siri, do you believe in ghosts? Oh. <laughs> Siri's also, you know, she likes to keep things loose. But yeah, I think I mean Nessie, yeah, definitely like you could see as like a plesiosaur, a marine reptile. Like yeah. but it's interesting because yeah, like that is like the closest thing to like a like I've never seen until I started doing some research of of like a T-Rex like from Jurassic Park showing up in modern day. Right. Like that to me is a little bit more cuz that's yeah, more out there. Yeah, cuz the ocean I mean that lock is huge. You could hide all kinds of things in there. Oh yeah, I believe there's <laughs> tons of creatures in the Mariana Trench that we yeah. don't know about like the Meg. Yeah, no, of course. Oh. <laughs> the Meg is a cryptid, right? Yes. I mean, yeah, cuz because in my mind, what makes something a cryptid is either it's unexplainable or to me with dinosaurs, it's like it's a dinosaur, it's in, but it's in modern day. Right. Oh, that's a good point, because I guess a lot of cryptids are sort of mashup animals, right? <laughs> yeah. Like it's a man, but it's an Ugh, ape. We've run out of ideas. <laughs> we got to have like it's a unicorn, but it has like tank treads on it or something. You know what I mean? Actually, <laughs> Unitank. That, actually, no, the, um, I love Unitank. 
but in college, my friends and I would, we made up, uh, that was a narwhal with tank treads and that was a Terra narwhal. Oh, that's so good. I love Unitank and a Terra narwhal. Yeah. The, oh, listen, if our government discovered those, you know, they'd be in the next war. Like <laughs> they would use them for evil so quickly. <laughs> oh, what's coming over the, the defense lines? It's the, the Unitank. Oh, oh! Unitank and just stabbing and running over people. This is sort of tangential because it, or semi not tangential because it is unicorns. But I feel like unicorns are bad. Whoa! Because in evil in like media, I feel like they've been portrayed in the last like ten years as like killers, like oh, like um, Cabin in the Woods. The unicorn gored somebody. Right in Gravity Falls, that Disney kids like Twin Peaks show. The unicorns were seen as like vain, and they like tricked people. Right, and they. Gravity Falls created the phrase "summerween." Yes, I love summer. Very important to my culture. (laughs) And they were the jacko melons, which were the. (laughs) And now that's a whole thing. Yeah, no, totally. Gravity Falls is great, and they do play in this realm of cryptids and stuff too. I mean, they've affected culture so much that the negative unicorn thing must be real. Oh, you know, unicorns were also jerks on a regular show. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. See, I'm, and I'm thinking of like. When did how, people turn against the unicorn? Yeah, I'm thinking about how kids, they, I feel like they've had a resurgence like with mermaids, with little Lisa kids. Lisa Frank, yeah, and all that. Yeah, being like so colorful and like little plushies and kids dressing up as them. So I'm thinking of, you know, they're always very magical and they're your friend. But I don't know if any cryptid could really be your friend. They are feral. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, again, you just think about Bigfoot being the other iconic. Is it is it Loch Ness? Is it Nessie and Bigfoot are the two biggest cryptids? I would think so. Maybe the Yeti is there too because he's like the cold Bigfoot. Yeah, yeah. He's like mm, I'm Bigfoot. I'm my on own ice. person, Luce. Yeah. <laughs> I have other qualities about me. But uh, and then yeah, maybe like the uh, uh, El Koopa Chabra. Yeah, the Koopa. The Koopa. Whoa! How did I Koopa Chab Koopa? Whoa! How did, did I, I mess it up? Yeah, yeah. Wait, Koopa. Koopa Chupa, chupacabra. chupacabra. I switched them. <laughs> Both of us have not had that much sleep, so we're. I feel like that's up there too. Anything that like the X Files talked about, I feel yes. like gets an extra little boost. I mean, definitely the Mothman again has been like the hot new young thing over yeah. the last like well, six, seven years. Well, my favorite murder definitely boosted Mothman, but like I knew about it because I'm from Ohio and it happened like on the Ohio border. Yeah. And it was its major movie when I was in high school, I think. Oh, yeah, Richard Gere. Yeah. Mothman was, Prophecies. Yeah, it was like from 2000, right? Or 99? I think 19. Well, I mean, I'm yeah, pretty rather. sure it came out when I was in high no, school no, or middle sure. school because I went to the theater and saw it with my friends. So that's the thing about these cryptids is that none of them are like, yeah, none of them are big enough to have had movies made about them yet. There's been like a couple, you know, sp- sort of ancient aliens, vague special huh. kind of stuff on them. Yeah. But I hadn't heard none of these until... Should we just get into the first one? Let's get into them. I'm excited that we can boost some lesser known Yeah, cryptids. we need to get some of the... And they're like dinosaurs, so they're kind of playing in both realms. Yeah. But the, the first thing... This is what made me want to do this episode. Pterodactyls of North Carolina. <laughs> Sounds like a great name for a song. So I have this article from Scott Jensen of uh, Carolina Stories... I'm, I'm, I just want to read a little bit and then just get your thoughts. But um, I guess, so essentially in the Carolinas, there's been spottings of pterodactyls, pteranodons, just any kind of like those like m- flying reptiles. 
Which are really big. Yeah. So um, there's this zoologist, no, a cryptozoologist. Okay, I was going to say, whoa, a zoologist? Yeah, no, no. (laughs) This might be real. No, we're still in cryptozoology (laughs) territory. Uh, Cryptozoologist Jonathan Whitcomb, author of the books Modern Pterosaurs, Searching for Ropens and Finding God. Mm -hmm. Um, Wow, big big uh, words. So uh, he recently published a new article that there are new uh, pterodactyl sightings in North Carolina. My associates and I believe that these are non-extinct pterosaurs that many persons would call pterodactyls or flying dinosaurs. And so... On his website, which, again, look at that cover, Live Pterosaurs in America. Wow, really sharp teeth. So, like, you're thinking Petrie, you're thinking those Pteranodons in Jurassic Park 3. Like, that's what we're picturing, but more terrifying. Yeah, these are. this is a demon straight out of hell. <laughs> it's going to nab your neck and shake it until your head breaks off. But also, there's sightings all across, you know, the East Coast into the Midwest, and... I wanted to read, here's a couple sightings from, these are direct quotes from people. So somebody saw them in Connecticut and they said, I live in Gales Ferry, Connecticut. It's between the Foxwoods Resort Casino <laughs> and Mogan Sun Casino. So between two casinos. Ah, uh, yes. You know, where usually people are completely sober and not at all losing their wits or, <laughs> you know, trying to uh, gamble away all the money that they have left. People are in a good headspace <laughs> yeah, between yeah. casinos is what I'm trying to say. So in August 2013, at around 5.30 p.m., I was working on the front of my house and I was on a ladder ready to step down. I, I haven't given this person a voice yet, but yeah. this person. Okay. So they're all, they're on a ladder, which yeah. is already, if you're me, you're in a bad headspace. <laughs> the whole time I'm like, don't let me die. Don't let me die. Don't let me die. <laughs> I got off the ladder and looked up towards the North and saw this pterosaur flying from East to West, from East to West. The two <laughs> things I noticed right away was the head. It looked exactly like the pictures that you would see depicted. It's very specific. Mm -hmm. Uh, The second thing I noticed was the wings. There were no feathers, just a light brown cape like a wing. It was above a smaller bird. I ran inside to get the camera, but it was gone. It was flying towards the, the Thames River. Some people didn't believe me when I told them. I know what I saw. <laughs> By the way, the eyewitness referred to the Thames River in Connecticut, not the River Thames in England. Although we do have sightings in England. I like the editor's note there. Like, <laughs> Although we do have sightings in England, too. Don't, don't. The Thames is just, no matter if it's in the States or England, it is flushed with pterodons. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's a typical sighting. So this one is... So it's not that it has any different like body type or it's really just the exactly the same pterodactyl. Yeah. But does anybody explaining how they think it survived? Oh, that would be way too difficult for it. Because I was like, but like, why? And then so there was a sighting in Minnesota, which was I uh, I believe I saw a pterosaur last year on July 16th, 2018. So we got a specific day. Okay. I just gotten done shopping at Walmart for some supplies. Sorry, not to. Okay. Not, we, we people we've poked enough fun at Walmart um, <laughs> for some supplies in northwestern Minnesota, and I was on my way back home. Probably not many stores up there. Northwestern Minnesota is just like lakes and like the Arctic. Oh, really? Yeah. I haven't, I haven't been up there. Once you go like north of St. Cloud, I feel like it's just lakes and snow. Um, it was between 5 and 5.30 p.m., and as I got into my car, I turned to drive north, again, facing north, Wow! and immediately looked up at this flying creature that looked and flew very odd. I didn't think to look for a tail or even notice one at the time, but what I did notice was the way it flapped its wings. The wings seemed to roll or have a wave, like the form from the body outward to the wingtip. 
the wings would, f- I'm flapping my wings. Mm-hmm. The yes, wings would very flap good. very slow. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, would flap very slowly, but the creature did not seem to have any trouble flying. The wings were also shimmering on the top, reflecting the sunlight. Ooh. I noticed no feathers at all on it, but the rear tip of the wings were very smooth and curved in shape. I mean, that sounds beautiful. Reflecting so, the sun. I know. I'm like, I would be entranced by this. Do we know if people were flying kites this day? Oh, no. <laughs> like I have had thought, a, a Jurassic Park like yeah, they make kite. Yeah, they make those as into kites. So yeah. I'm just wondering, was it a kite festival in both places? And they yeah. didn't know. I mean, this is the newest of all the things on this list. Yeah, 2018. Yeah. Yeah, we we're yeah, we're getting yeah, we're getting modern day. This is truly modern day. The rest yeah. of these are like running the gamut of the 20th century, but okay. but this is I mean, a lot of big birds like um, you know, birds of prey, you can't notice their feathers and a lot of them are like very shiny and reflective. I mean, there's this isn't a bird of prey, but like a grackle which are pretty common in Ohio, where I'm from originally, are they are reflective and they're like purple and turquoise and green. And it's like you look at them once and it kind of they look black. But then as soon as they're in the sunlight, they're, they're iridescent. Oh, interesting. And you can't because they're black, you can't really see like individual feathers. Right. I mean, yeah. Who can see individual feathers on a bird? A bird is just the color in the sky. In my head, like birds are all like when they're far away, they just look like the, how I used to draw them as a kid, exactly. which I would draw an M. Yes, <laughs> that's exactly what they look like. Those were accurate portraits of birds. That's why we drew I'm them like, like I'm like, I'm here far away. I'm just like, oh, there's just a bunch of M's flying over there. I keep looking out my window being like, let's get a bird for an example. But I mean, I'm just thinking like it was nighttime. Yes, both of them are close to dusk. Yeah. And uh, if you see a big bird of prey that you're not used to seeing, it's crazy. Like I saw saw an eagle once and it was really like startling because its wingspan is huge and it's unlike what you normally are used to seeing in the sky. No, for sure. And this this video, I mean, I think this video is like um, probably close to what people saw. Oh, is there like an example of what they think people are mistaking for these? Yeah. But I think this is, wait, let's go back to the beginning. Well, I'll post this in the show notes. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think this video is fake, though. I'm oh, pretty really? sure it's fake. But, I mean, it, I mean, that part, I'm like, it's like throwing a basketball, like, the, like it glided, you know? Yeah. So, wait, is that supposed to be proof of a cryptid or is that supposed to be uh, denial? I think this is supposed to be. I think somebody made a video like this being like, this is what people saw. Oh, the head is. Yeah. So it's got that kind of like classic Petri looking kind of. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, that would definitely. I mean, if I saw when I first saw this, I was like, you know, like if I saw that up in the sky, I'd be like, well, that doesn't look like a normal bird. No, I can't say what bird that would be. Yeah. But like there is there's there's another video. We're pulling out the red string here. (laughs) Um, I have this great blank space on my wall that I've been hoping to fill with insanity. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. But this is a real bird. Like, and this looks kind of like that pterodactyl, but it's a. Oh, yeah. It's got the wings like look like bat wings. And kind of the long, narrow tail. Yeah. And this is. What is that? (laughs) That's a bird. This is literally a bird. (laughs) Uh, Frigate bird. 
Oh. Which I've heard, like I've heard of before, but see, my favorite thing about this is when they have like the pictures from the Civil War of like holding up the dinosaurs. Oh my gosh, is it that people made those? Like, I why? think this is just like a Photoshop AI or, something. or something. Oh, I'm not good at Photoshop, so I'm just really impressed with what Photoshop can do all the time. Yeah, no, you're like great job. I know I'm like very gullible. Not that I think that the Civil War found dinosaurs, but I'm just like, wow, <laughs> is that a puppet? Yeah, yeah, no, like, ooh, how do they make this? I yeah, don't know, like, paper mache. Yeah, and yeah. Off time in the war. I guess, I guess, to me, this first example is very much like there seems to be a trend with cryptids where cryptids are the lovely idea and the lovely notion that, I mean, and that's the truth is that we, there are so many things that are deeply unknowable. Yes. And that's okay. But then there does get a small contingent of cryptids sort of being proof for using, using modern day cryptids as, as a disproof for evolution and things like that. Right. So, that's the thing that you don't like. That's the other side of it. Um, frigid birds are really interesting looking. I've never seen them before. They've got a big breast that oh, like, yeah. is very rounded. But I'm like, from far away, like, I know the bird has feathers, but like, it's not like you see the individual like feathers. Exactly. And if it's dark, you certainly don't. Like in this all about birds picture, that does kind of look like a <laughs> And you've just, you know, you just spent all your money on the penny slots and you're just yeah. like, and you're like drowned your sorrows in like a gallon of Miller Lite. <laughs> or you're like on a ladder and you're like, oh, uh, uh, yeah. oh, bird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Dinosaur. yeah. It's the last thing you see as you like fall to your death. Um, yeah, well, people Google frigid birds, F-R-I-G-A-T-E. They, they're really interesting. Their wingspan, they're, it's pointy like bat, bat wings. But, but you're also your point about like birds of prey and like other kinds of bird it's like yeah not every birds are so diverse so if if i saw a bird i've never seen before i would also be like what the hell is that yeah because like i i walk um around like the silver lake reservoir uh a lot and there are a lot of um because it's a water area there's a ton of water birds there like herons and when you see a heron fly it's crazy because it's got long legs they're like they're like three foot tall birds yeah so to see a bird that size then fly through Silver Lake, which is a city sub- suburban neighborhood. Yeah. It's very unnerving because you're like, well, that's not a sparrow. Yeah, yeah. So I just think that our brains, like, if you see a bird that you've never seen before, but it looks like a pterodactyl who, like, we know what pterodactyls look like, like, that's a very clear image in our mind. Our brain is just going to make the connection because our brains want to find patterns. Of course. So it's like, well, I, that doesn't look like a bird to me because I've never seen that type of bird before. But it does look like this other thing that I've seen a ton of pictures of. Oh, my God. Totally. I like that I started off being like, I'm very open-minded <laughs> to cryptids. And then now right now I'm like, well, absolutely not. <laughs> I guess the more we're talking about it, I feel like that it's insane to think that there's still... Well, I mean, there is stuff. I mean, I think, again, that idea of like keeping the dream alive is like when something like a coelacanth is found, which people thought went extinct, but they just kind of hung out in this one specific area off the coast of Madagascar for 100 100 million years. Yeah. And nobody noticed until like the 20th century. So there is there is that exciting element. But it's I think for me, at least I like the, the pterodactyls of Carolina of the Carolinas because it's new and there hasn't been quite a sort of 
thematic notion or or sort of political thing thrown on top of it yet. It's yeah. just sort of a bunch of random people being like, oh, shit, that was a big bird. Yeah, and, yeah, you yeah. Know, uh, well, and also in Minnesota, like, I'm just wondering if pterodactyls are like birds, like, would there be, would they have them in North Carolina and in northern Minnesota? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, well, that, that ties into something else. But I feel like just these, uh, the, the, the sort of like what we use, what cryptids end up being used for by humans as far as like what they mean or represent. Mm-hmm. I feel like this next one is really fun. And I'm apologize if I butcher the name, but it's Mokale. M- m- I'm going to do a couple takes <laughs> you of this. had to. Uh, Mokale Mbembe. Mm. Mokale Mbembe. Uh, and that stands, um, that's uh, uh, Lingala for who. One who stops the flows of river oh. is a mythological water dwelling entity that supposedly lives in the Congo River basin, which I'm like super pro because the Okapi is my favorite animal and they live in the Congo. So I'm like, all right, like we're already here in my like favorite animal territory. And look at what uh, Molokai Mbembe looks like. Oh, yeah. I mean, that just looks like a. Brachiosaurus or Diplodocus? Diplodocus, Diplodosaurus, yeah. yeah. It's a sauropod. And it's got this dope name. And so this was the original description of it. Because this story involves more colonialism and, like, you know, white people going into the jungle and talking to the indigenous populations and then being like, oh, my God, like, maybe, like, like, just this element, this notion of that people could be fucked with and then take it seriously. Yeah, yeah. Or being racist and applying <laughs> things on top of that to sort of get the things. But so the f- the first report of Mokale Mbembe comes from German captain Ludwig Freire von Steenjulahaus Lucentz. There we go. He sounds very smart. As described by Willie Lay in the book The Lungfish and the Unicorn, von mm-hmm. Stein was ordered to conduct a survey of the German colonies in what is now Cameroon in 1913. So already lots of colonism going on, yeah. colonialism going on. He heard stories of an enormous reptile called the Mokale Mbembe, uh, allegedly to live in the jungles and included a description in his official report. Um, According to Lay, von Stein worded his report with utmost caution, knowing it might be seen as unbelievable. (laughs) Nonetheless, von Stein thought the tales were credible. Trusted native guides had related tales to him and the stories were related to him by independent sources yet featured many of the same details. Though von Stein's report was never formally published, Lay quoted von Stein as writing, the animal is said to be of a brownish gray color with a smooth skin. Its size is approximately that of an elephant. At least that of a hippopotamus. <laughs> At least. <laughs> it is said to, that they have uh, a long and very flexible neck and only one tooth, but a very long one. Some say it is a horn. Uh, a few spoke of a long muscular tail like that of an alligator. Canoes coming near it are said to be doomed. The animal is said to attack the vessels at once and kill the crews, but without eating the bodies. Gumming them to death? One tooth isn't going to do that much. I know, right? The creature is said to live in caves that have been washed out by the river in the clay of its shores at the sharp bends. So, goes in a little bit more detail. But, that just sounds like a good story to keep people out of your caves. Right, yeah. Like maybe you're keeping the, all the good treasure in the caves. And so what I find interesting is, <coughs> excuse me, 
is that so this first uh, report was 1913, and this is coming around the same time as actual dinosaur bones and stuff are being found. Oh. You know, the, I think the first dinosaur bones are found in sort of the mid 1800s ish, mm-hmm. and then. Well, then everybody the- wants to get in on this. It's the latest craze. Well, because had you had that theory that the Loch Ness Monster might have been inspired by people seeing King Kong in 1933? Yes. Yeah. So I feel like that's kind of what's going on here because, you know, it's that idea like, okay, we're seeing these dinosaurs. Okay, this creature in the Congo. Um, but then... Let's turn the page. Um but there have been recent visits. <gasps> so to go try and find uh, Mokale Mbembe, uh, Mbembe. And in 2001, BBC broadcast in a TV series, Congo, a collective interview with a group of Bayaka pig- pygmies who identified the Mokale Mbembe as a rhinoceros. So they like <laughs> took old photos from this like Von Stein trip or other trips in the Congo, like you know, at the turn of the century, went to modern day, asked around, and you know, like, some of the indigenous just, pop- just a rhino. Yeah. What about the long, flexible neck? So they say that, like, oh, where was this? Oh, um, yeah. So they were looking at this illustrated manu- manual, manu- manual, at this illustrated <laughs> manual of the wildlife, but neither species of African rhinos are common, and that the uh, Mokale Membe may be a a mixture of mythology and folk memory when they were still alive in that area. Oh, that makes sense. It could be a rhino that also went extinct. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm like, because when you look at an okapi, you know, an okapi, like it's got kind of a long neck. It's not quite as long as a giraffe. Yeah. You know, it is a mashup. It looks like a mashup of other animals. Cause it has the zebra stripes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then like giraffe horns and sort of like a giraffe <sighs> tongue. It's like I, the best of I, I love of, them uh, so much. They're my favorite animal. They're type. so cute. It's like a horse, cow, giraffe. gazelle, giraffe. Because they their body is essentially the same as a giraffe as far as like anat- anatomy-wise, but it just has the short neck. Right. Because it needed to duck under all the trees when it was, <laughs> you know, the – again, I, I – uh, World of Cappy Day was October 18th, and I always say that Okapis are the goth uh, oh cousin of the giraffe. Absolutely. Look at their little tights that they're wearing. And so- They've got like Tim Burton tights. Pardon me. Obviously, a sauropod, you know, a, you know, a Brachiosaurus or an Apatosaurus doesn't look like that. But like, again, it's like camouflaged in the trees. And again, this idea of, you know, uh, collective memory or just kind of- the telephone game, essentially, over well, the right, years. right, exactly. Like, we don't know who was in charge uh, 110 years ago. And, like, maybe the most popular guy was, like, really into bragging and getting attention. We like to think – I feel like there's this made-up idea that people of the past are somehow more refined or smarter more than objective. us. Yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> no, there's always been trends. There's always been people trying to, like, hop onto the grift or people who want attention and want to be a part of, like, a bigger story. So there's also like, you know, this, I think this idea that's sort of like um, benevolent racism, right? That like indigenous, all indigenous people are like inherently, they know more about the land and the earth. Yeah, the wise, yeah. Yeah, they're so wise and we must listen to every single thing they say. And I'm like, I think there's also an aspect of like 
them dealing with colonists and wanting to be like, fuck off. We have these giant monsters that are going to eat you. Yeah. Well, so that ties into the possible explanation because obviously this cryptid is a little bit older. So there's been more, again, trying to figure out what's going on here. And so this is all from Wikipedia, by the way. The, the Wikipedia for this is like really high and tight. But uh, the Moklay Membe's existence has been questioned. The lack of f- physical evidence and the conflicting witnesses have made the existence of the entity doubted by a large majority of scientists and historians. The most reasonable and agreed upon explanation, um, as I said before, is the Moklay Mbembe is a, l- a legend based on the black rhinoceros, a species once common to Central Africa. Um and then according to skeptic Ben Radford, hi, Ben, uh, <laughs> the origin of the creature can be traced back to an even earlier book by zoologist Carl Hagenbeck called Beast and Men, based <laughs> on recently discovered dinosaur bones. Mm. Uh, Hagenbeck speculated that sauropods may still live in Africa, although he offered no evidence other than legends. The claims were circulated by the press. So again, it's that kind of... Um, Again, that sort of telephone, I mean, not pre-telephone, because the telephone existed by then. I think there's also this, like, collective racism that, like, most white Western countries have towards Africa, that it's, like, this big unknowable place full of, like, uh, like anything could be there and everybody there is, like, savage, right? Because then that that is reflexive, or that, that, excuse me, that reflects... In, like, what kinds of animals do you think live there, right? Yes, yeah. So, if you think that the people are, um, you know, so different from Western white people, then you're also going to think that they have these. If you think everyone's kind of a beast, do you know what I mean? Well, no. I mean, we used to literally draw maps and be like, over there is there be monsters, you know? Yeah, exactly. I think that's just an extension of that. People were not smarter than they were. People were much dumber. We're always dumber the year before. Yeah. We're getting more information each year. Yeah. It's just the way that it gets distributed and what stuff is held up and, and sort of held up as wisdom or what is like those kind of things are discarded. But like as a, as a, uh, Cthulhu-like entity of all humans that's like, we are smarter than ever before. Yeah, it just depends on if we're going to utilize it or yes, not. Yeah, it's yeah. a whole taking a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. Oh then. my god, yeah. Uh, taking a, uni- um, a unitank to water, but you can't make a drink. <laughs> but uh, I really like Mokale Mbembe because I just feel like it's like a dinosaur. It's got kind of like Nessie vibes, but it's a, ne- a land Nessie. Yeah, land and, Nessie. And I love sauropods. Like, they're my favorite kind of dinosaur. Absolutely. So I just am like, why aren't we having like a cool animated kids movie about this creature? It would be very fun. Yeah. So I really like, and I also really like this story because it brings up all this other, the stuff that we've just been talking about. Like, that's why I like this. This is why this is my favorite. Yeah. I really wouldn't be surprised if they're like, oh, yes, it's very scary and it has a horn and it will kill you to be like, leave our land now. Yeah. I mean, don't come at it with a canoe. You're gone. Okay. I'm very excited for the next one as well, because this one's an interesting one because it's not real. It was never seen, but people it's that sort of it's the sort of thing where people sort of forget that things were a joke or a story before and now people are like taking it as like it's real right i was recently somebody somebody who was on blank check was 
getting I think giving Vanity Fair a hard time because they put um Oh my gosh, what's the I'm forgetting a hundred million words right now. What's the Mel Gibson movie, Passion of the Christ? Oh yeah. They put Mel they put Passion of the Christ in the in like they're like historical epics. And it was just like That's not history. Yeah. Everyone's like, wait a minute, what do you like it might have just been like a slip. Fiction. It might yeah. think it might have just been a slip, and I obviously am talking about it so vaguely that I'm like, is it Vanity Fair? It's it's it was like maybe it was a Hollywood, Hollywood reporter. reporter. I think it was Hollywood Reporter. Yeah, that seems more accurate. And yeah, it was just that thing of like and so this one, I just love the name of it, The Monster of Partridge Creek. <gasps> that is a great title for a film. Yes. I love that. So the reality is The Monster of Partridge Creek is a 1908, 1908 story by French writer Georges, George, Georges. I think, yeah, Georges? George, Jorge? Georges uh, George Dupuy, Dupuy uh, published in- French? Yeah, French. Okay. Yeah, Georges Dupuy published in Jouissa Taut and The Strand Magazine. It describes alleged encounters with a large dinosaur at Partridge Creek in the Yukon Territory of Canada. Oh. So the plot of this story is that banker James Lewis Butler and miner Tom Lee Moore tell Dupay that they're hunting moose near Clear Creek when the animals they were hunting began running away in fright. The men said that they followed the tracks, which were interpreted as being made by a large animal, into a deep rocky gorge. Not a George. <laughs> George in the gorge. Uh, <laughs> now there's a kid's book. Yeah. Uh, Dupay agrees to join the men along with the French missionary, Father Pierre Leveneau, and five unnamed First Nations individuals. Like this, is, I'm like, this is a story. This feels like a, like, we're like, we're in this movie. Leo, yeah, I can maybe see Maybe they, for some reason, get Leo to play the French guy. Like, it's mm-hmm. like kind of weird casting, but Absolutely. you're like, whatever. It's just Martin Scorsese's thing. Like, you're not going to worry about the accents. No, no. <laughs> um, to search for the reported animal, the group establishes a campsite overlooking a ravine near Par- near Partridge Creek uh, for ten minutes, and they observe the creature described as a thirty foot long as thirty feet long with a hairy body. Ooh. In the French language version of the story, upon seeing it, a frightened love love note exclaims, "A ceratosaurus! It is the ceratosaurus of the Arctic Circle." So look at that drawing. Okay. It's a little small. <laughs> um, wow, that's not what I was expecting. It does sort of look like a T-Rex or an Allosaurus, but with fur. Yeah. I'll like snuffle up against <laughs> long hair. Um, that does look quite scary. And then, because the Ceratosaurus was in Jurassic Park 3. I don't know if you remember this, this dude. Oh, yeah. Okay. So we're imagining this, but with like... Long fur. With long fur. Interesting. The Ceratosaurus in JP3 listeners, what if, if you remember, is the one that just the um, the cell phone in JP3 that they need to call Ellie is like was like in poop, and the Ceratosaurus walks up, sniffs it, looks at um, uh, William H Macy and Taylor Leone, and then basically is like, Ugh. like it's <laughs> a living, like Flintstone style, like kind of face. You're like, this is the this is why I love JP3 because it's the most cartoony so Jurassic silly. Park movie, yeah. But so obviously this was a story published in a magazine and it's, you know, what, like why I love Michael Crichton, because there's that like, you know, it's a fake story, but it's written to be like, you know, that 
like when stories have those frame stories or have those things where they're like, you know, what you're about to see. It's like Blair Witch Project. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like you know? this is all real. And yeah. Do you do you like stuff like that when they do that? Especially like with horror stuff. I feel like oh, there's a yeah. lot of times. Blair Witch, I was just talking to um my friend Annie Rose Malamid of the podcast Girls Guts and Giallo about how Blair Witch had such a chokehold on me in the summer of 1999 because I was in a com- I was in my community theater summer production of Oliver exclamation <laughs> point uh, me with a lot of other uh, youngsters playing street urchins like the yeah yeah the orphans and just picture a whole group of 19th century orphans huddled around a like costume room talking about like, did you hear about these filmmakers that died? And there's a movie coming out about them. And they found, they were like, they disappeared in the woods and they like found the film that they were making. And now they're releasing the film. And like, we were all like, no way. How can they do that? And it was like so scary. We were just like freaking each other out about it. And like it, I went into that movie thinking that it was a documentary. Yeah. Well, I love that shit. Well, and again, I like, I was like setting down my notes because I was just like, and I don't need to read it, but the thing that about the monster of Partridge Creek is that it's fake. It was, it was printed in a fiction story, mm-hmm. but you'll see online, like there's a whole essay somebody wrote of like, did it, was it like war of the worlds playing on Halloween? Did people think it was real, even though it was like fiction? I think, I mean, this is, it's, you know, because it's a, it's more of a smaller example of a, you know, it's not, it's not one of the popular cryptids mm, <laughs> they're, yeah, they're yeah, not yeah. sitting at the table with the mean girls, you know, right. <laughs> Partridge Creek monster, you can't sit with us, <laughs> but it has gone on just from doing my research online that like, and again, I think this is the importance of media literacy, which I feel like you and I talk <laughs> about all the time of like, yes, it's- um, it's slipping. Yes, be because sure. because in so this uh, was first published in 1908, and then in September of that year, in the September 1908 issue of Knowledge and Illustrated Scientific News, I was like, "What's going? What else is going on in 1908? 1908? It's like cinema, the new hottest trend. Like yeah. movies, will they stick around? Yeah, like, they're doing you know? like 10 minute Nickelodeon films. <laughs> they're doing like um, a lot of um, protests for union. Yes, they're trying exactly. to get the eight hour workday. There's like people dying in factories every day. <laughs> eight hour workday, overrated. Yeah, we talk. <laughs> To the most experts. I don't know why this became like a people magazine of like. <laughs> it easily could be. Yeah. There are like tons of like anarchist demonstrations. Uh, people are handing out pamphlets on birth control and like family was, planning. Um, oh, what was her name? The anarchist. Uh, there's Emma Goldman. Emma Goldman. Yeah. There's also Margaret Sanger was very big with the birth control. I'm trying to teach women. <laughs> Is Emma Goldman on the cover? Like. Yeah. Being like. The <laughs> hottest anarchist looks for the summer. <laughs> Get ready to throw a brick in style. You know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. How you can uh, ride a bicycle. Ooh. Which you really weren't supposed to do as a woman. Wait. Wh- like, oh, you're right. Women weren't allowed to ride bicycles. Yeah. But she was like very big into bicycles and like pants and all kinds of scandalizing things. I thought I saw something that women also weren't allowed to sit on a horse normal they had to sit off to the side or something yeah like that. exactly because then you were like fucking the horse 
Like, clearly. I mean, they kind of understood because I know plenty of girls who are like, that's how I had my first orgasm was like riding a horse. <laughs> they knew so even then. They weren't wrong. Um, <laughs> but let us, let us, let us live. Yeah. Just instead of having us go to the doctor to get like masturbated, <laughs> you could just let us ride horses. My God. Uh, so that was all going on. Yes. And this, this issue is, we're of, setting of, the time period. <laughs> yeah. This, uh, you have to go to the doctor to have an orgasm. Yeah. <laughs> it was still very scandalous if you didn't wear a hat. Oh, yeah. The hell you're showing riots. your bare head. Yeah, yeah. What the fuck is wrong with you? Too uh, sexy. Um, so in this issue, this the very uh, fun and flirty issue of Knowledge and Illustrated Scientific News, naturalist Richard Lydecker commented on the publication of DuPay's story, noting the existence of carnivorous dinosaurs in northern... No, or, sorry, noting the existence... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Distance of, car- of carnivorous dinosaurs in northern Alaska seems incredible to every scientific mind. In pointing out the prima facie presumption that larger dinosaurs were inhabitants of warmer, of warm rather than Arctic zones. And so to me, it's almost that thing like where I think about where like if like a thing is fiction, like people want to comment on it. It's almost like we like, even though it's a fake, we know it's a fake story, it's published in fiction, but then people all of a sudden are like, wait, but I've seen something out there, you know, and yes. it's like kind of giving it a legitimacy because a real scientist is actually commenting on it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I, I, that's what I found fascinating about this story was that it it is fake. There is no like, yeah, but, it was meant to be fake from the beginning, yes. but then somebody's trying to legitimize it. A scientist. Yes. Or, or just the idea that scientists and stuff have started commenting on it. And then again, finding modern day people talking about it in that way of like, maybe it is real, but like, you know, wanting it to be real or wanting to like, there is that element of like, yeah, wanting there to be those mysteries, but it is also, it does. But then people who aren't, media literate then get confused because they're like, wait, but if these scientists are talking about it, then it must be. Right. Instead of like acknowledging that scientists also have a good time. (laughs) Yeah. That are like, oh, what if you like game out theories and like, oh, I guess if this was set up like this and it was in this specific habitat, like you can come up with ways that lots of things could exist. Yeah. The, uh, this great podcast that I follow, that's like a paleontology science podcast called Common Descent. Every October they do like spooky little fiction and like, (laughs) and they'll do like, you know, because I, I can imagine it's fun as a scientist to be like, you know, when scientists comment on like how accurate Jurassic Park is or something. And it's like, 
but they they get to have fun too. Like they don't have to be have be like I'm serious scientist all the time. Yes, exactly. Because it is fun to look at fiction and be like, huh, I wonder if this is possible. Would, Especially when you're like a professional. Yeah, you get to like you get to like not you get to have your stress free zone. You don't have to be scientist 24-7. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> I don't know. I mean, even with like Halloween stuff, you know, there's so many different ways that like the history of Halloween has been portrayed in film. And it's just it's fun to see what mashups there are of things or like Halloween three season of the witch is one of my favorite movies. And like, they have a whole thing about Stonehenge being used during Samhain, which like, Oh wow. Wasn't, but like, (laughs) it's fun to think about where you're like, Oh yeah. What if Stonehenge like to just game out different, I don't know. That's what imagination is. Yeah. Like I think even like serious scholars use their imagination and like you need to think when you're coming up with like theories and possibilities, you have to rule out the things that don't exist to zero in on the things that do exist. Oh, for sure. And, or just even that idea that, yeah, no, that it was said. Um, no, thank you. <laughs> I was like, I had another point, but then I forgot it. So it's fine. Um, wait, spooky little fiction, Partridge Creek. I mean, it just feels like it, it feels like a great legend. Oh, yeah. I mean, I love a legend. Yeah. The monster of Partridge Creek. (laughs) Like, I want to see, oh, my God, if um, Wendy and Lucy. um, (laughs) Kelly Reichardt? Yeah. If she made, like. A horror movie? Yeah. Yeah. That would be, like, a Pacific Northwest, uh, uh, Yukon, Canada. Yeah. Think of how big and beautiful, like, the wide landscapes would be. And then just, like, a furry dinosaur in the very yeah. back <laughs> that's like eating livestock <laughs> um okay the next one is very exciting because we're going all the way to australia Ooh, down under yeah so this is the um oh how would i say this um i'm sorry to all my australian listeners the burringer of the australian outback Bunja. Bunja. you know you know <laughs> every australian person is sick of that say sorry so sorry um so this article is from Genesis Park, um, <laughs> which is Genesis a little dodgy. The Bible. <laughs> yeah, which is a little dodgy, but I, I you know, the, the quality of this article is fun. Um, the vast expanses of central Australia's deep outpack, outback, where torturous rock formations point skyward, mystical ancient forests contain living fossil plants in parched desert scrub. Grows alongside weird, salty lake bottoms. <laughs> that was like a less evocative phrase. Yeah. Um, weird, salty lake bottoms. Okay. <laughs> me too. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, offers a frontier of largely unexplored wilderness. From this land, many mysteries comes an eerie and incredible claim. Rec- reports going back to Aboriginal legends that mirror strange sightings by generations of European settlers. And even stories of close encounters by recent travelers, stories of a living therapod, a living therapod creature like a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Ooh! So Aboriginal tr- uh, tribal peoples tell the stories of Burrinjor, the huge rupt- the huge reptilian nocturnal creature that has devoured cattle, camels, and kangaroos. Oh my God! Ancient- Not kangaroos! I know, right? They're hopping around. I'll- oh no! They just hop right into their yeah, mouths. They like, don't even realize they get a midair. <laughs> Got my Uber Eats right into my mouth. No, whatever. Anyway, um, uh, so. Uh, 
ancient Aboriginal artwork displays a three-toed bipedal form with small front legs and a huge mouth. Clearly, this is something different from their easily distinguished kangaroo artwork. So here's the Aboriginal artwork. Cute little mouths. Here's the Aboriginal artwork. Whoa, that looks like a Tyrannosaurus Rex with a a giant sword. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's wearing like a a waist, uh, like a little belt. Yeah. A utility belt with yeah. different knives in it. <laughs> the different claws that can like screw onto it. Yes. Yeah. 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 Ooh, like, Let me put my kangaroo grabbing claws on now. These are different from my dingo claws. I also have a bottle opener because I come <laughs> with every key, yep. keychain or whatever. This, it's a, um, this cryptid is like a mashup of a um, Swiss Army knife. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and a dinosaur. It kind of looks like a tripod. Yo. Yeah. It does. So, like it has a third. Uh, third leg (laughs) what a third leg this cryptid's just packing (laughs) watch out bigfoot um so even still today um which again this this article's from genesis park so we're we're, you know we're we're keeping our media literacy brains on what is genesis park uh i think it's this is from like a, a like a theme park about like the creationist Theme park. Oh, yeah. sorry, I missed that part. Yeah, okay. like Gen- Yeah, wait, Cause, they cause don't... You said like Genesis, like the Bible, right? Wait, so they don't believe in dinosaurs? Well, I think. Oh, they're... they think that that God put them here to test us or something. Well, there's that element which I haven't looked into too much, but I definitely have read things about just like cryptids being used as an opportunity to disprove evolution, in that like everything is still as old. So like, if there's still dinosaurs around today popping up. Or within our more recent historical times, then that yeah, means they that they couldn't have existed millions of years ago. Right. Okay. So that's that, troubling. Yes. So that's where <laughs> this is coming from. I um, see. And wow. I didn't know Australia had um, Christian theme parks. Yeah, I know. Right. Um, the same. Um, the same. Um, oh, and then there's this is also a footprint that they found. Which oh. looks like a real T-Rex footprint. That I mean, that yeah. looks like a... I mean, it definitely looks like it could be an art project, <laughs> right? Take it down to the local school and you're like, whoever can make the best one of these is getting 500 bucks. Yeah. So um, the same uh, Telltale uh, tri-prints have earned the monster the nickname Old Three Toes by locals to the Good east. Good nickname. How'd you come up with that one? It was like... <laughs> Big thunder lizard taken. Yeah, right. In the state of Victoria, indigenous people called the same ferocious theropod the Muramurai. Better um, name. Uh, but numerous sightings of Burrinjor footprints have now been logged in the outback. Pictures and casts show consistent bipedal track with three huge, three, three, three huge toes <laughs> between uh, two to three feet in diameter alongside the watering hole, alongside river, uh, watering holes, river banks, and even dirt road. The monster's footprints have been a reason for alarm. According to testimonials, cowmen came across these monster tracks in process of investigating missing livestock. The mm. Berenger has a penchant for grabbing cows and carrying them off in exclamation points. Wow. We're really not in like objective article territory at this point. No, anymore. usually journalists don't use exclamation points. <laughs> yeah. They're, st- they're, str- they're like an old movie poster at the Alamo Draft House, you yeah, know? Yeah, 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 exactly. See, um, live dinosaurs now. Um, But this is pretty gruesome. You know, we some of our past Halloween episodes, we've done like, you know, Jurassic Park kills and things. So in Rex Gilroy's 2013 book, Burrinjor, The Search for Australia's Living Tyrannosaurus, 
lists several such scenarios where cows, sometimes several in, in a single kill site, were found bitten in half, <gasps> and large bones were large bones were broken by massive jaws. What? So that's like evocative. That's like in Tremors. Remember in Tremors yes. when all the sheeps were all like messed up on the. Like that was a very evocative. That's like a very horror movie scene. Because then you're like, well, because I was just about to be like, well, a dingo could easily kill cows. Yeah. Or like those really big birds that really do seem like dinosaurs um, that have that headpiece. Cassowary? Yeah. Yeah. Those look exactly like dinosaurs. And they have those really big tri uh, toed feet. They do. They are like. They they almost are like velociraptors with like from the movie version with the long toes. I, I think those are like the thing that look the closest. When you look at that, it feels like you're looking at a dinosaur because they have them here at the LA Zoo and you can get pretty close to them. Yeah. I mean, look at that toe. Oh, wait, the toe's going to show up. Yeah. Like that's a dinosaur face and it's got the cool fan on the head and it, it says it's the deadliest bird in the world. See, and they've got that foot. Yeah. They, I mean, their foot literally looks like. It looks exactly like that. And that's a really big foot. And cassowaries like, yeah, they have a blue kind of face. They have a blue face and neck that uh, goes into sort of a red, like turkey looking thing. Like if you saw that, that looks like a dinosaur in the distance. I mean, really, I mean, obviously, scientifically, there's a lot of differences between um, between modern day, uh, modern day dinosaurs, a.k.a. birds and like the dinosaurs, you know, that we we know and love from our, uh, you know, from Jurassic Park and Land Before Time and all that stuff. To me, like... But that a, the, looks like the missing link to me. Yeah. Well, it just feels like really the biggest difference between selling this as like a... It's, just throw some tiny arms on there. And yeah, you're, yeah. you're like good to go. Yeah, exactly. Because it's feathered too. Yeah, it's got it's got basically everything. It's got it all, baby. <laughs> and um, it's hairy looking, you know? So... um yeah, recent sightings of the creature responsible for these massive prints and bovine butchery have been more rare. Bovine um, butchery. Very creative writing there. Burrenjors have long been seen at night by truckers driving the Stewart Highway, which, which traverses long, lonely sections of the continent down under. Um, so so they're, in a, uh, they're alone. It's late at night. They've been driving for how many hours, you know? It's large barge being like, oh, that's a... Yeah, exactly. Like... A lot of things are reported by truckers. And what's also reported is that there's like a lot of um, exploitation of truckers. Yeah. Like expectations to be driving for like 24 hours straight oh when gosh. you know that road hallucinations are like a thing. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So um, a team associated with Sci-Fi Channel's Destination Truth oh. conducted a Berger investigation in 2007. Okay. So we're in modern day here. Yeah, yeah. In January of 2015, the Genesis Park staff <laughs> traveled to the outback from the south, traversing the Stewart Highway from Adelaide up towards Alice Springs. The team kept busy hiking deep into the Flinders Mountains. So, I mean, you know, fair fair play to Genesis Park. At least according to this, they said they did go out there and do all this stuff. So, like, interesting. I, I do appreciate when somebody's looking for a cryptid and they're actually like getting their hands dirty and they're sure. going out there, you know? Yeah, and that they're actually making a, a plan. Yeah. So obviously not a single report <laughs> was received. So at least they're honest, you know? Yeah, they didn't make something up. Um, but the area is inhabited inhabited inhabited? Inhabited by a large by a large monitor lizard or a goana called the Parenti. Interesting. So a one Flinders Ranger claimed Parentis can grow up to ten feet in length. <gasps> and so that's what a that's what a this monitor lizard oh looks my like. God. And those are huge. 
I've never it, seen one of those before. It's not quite T-Rex, but those are a real-life animal that exists in Australia. No, quite large and a very odd neck. Like, and I've seen monitor lizards in person and like a Komodo dragon and stuff in person. And oh, yeah. And those, again, look like dinosaurs. They're like really scary and cute. Yeah. At the same time. Oh, they're very cute. Well, they have the long tongue that yes. shoots out that I really like. Uh, but they're really wild to see how big and they are. And if you've never seen one of those before, and let's say it was late at night and you were kind of on the edge of sanity. Yeah, yeah. You've had five Red Bulls today. Yeah, exactly. And like whatever those like um, pet pills that they used to sell at the gas station, like Black Beauties. Like, yeah. <laughs> like oh, I'm just taking poppers. I'm feeling really relaxed. Yeah, Ooh, what is exactly. this? Exactly. Just hyped on no dose, trying yeah. to get a whole truck full of chicken patties across the state. <laughs> oh, man. We're so we're so screwed as a society. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're like, we should definitely listen to them. Let's keep the magic of cryptids alive. Um, because it's just it's just I think I think we both come on the same page. It's just the sense of like the idea of because there is a noble things, like we've said, and that there is these beautiful things, and it is cool to keep your imagination alive. I think when it starts to get into an agenda territory, that it does take away from the magic. Yeah. And it's like, I want there to be a Burridge or a T-Rex roaming around the desert. Yeah, but um, I don't want it to be used to prove that evolution isn't real. Yes, yeah, exactly. Since you can like look at all these birds and see that it is real. <laughs> and so... The last one, which this has been so much fun. Yes, um, I know. I feel like I've really, um, I, I said that I believed in it and then I completely doubled back and I was just <laughs> like, no, but it's because these are all like straight up really realistic sounding dinosaurs. Yes. I think if it was like a dinosaur that was like, uh, I don't know, combined with something else. Like a unitank or a terra narwhal. See, if we were talking unitanks, there's something I, I would not try to break down. I could definitely believe in a unitank. And there's something about like dinosaurs in the water. I think because like the water is so scary and there's like a lot of things in there that's like super freaky, like squids and sharks. But like, and I couldn't believe in Nessie. I don't know. Water well, dinosaurs seem a lot more realistic to me. Well, and it is that notion too of that we've mapped more of Mars than the, than the ocean. ocean yeah we can't even get down to the and ocean the, floor and the degree and the degree of the degree of detail we have is even more on mars than in some parts of the ocean like right. some parts of the ocean are mapped out to like oh we vaguely kind of know what this mile like vaguely resembles whereas like parts of the land we've we know what it looks like to the inch yeah i think there have been people who have set foot on like every part of the world yeah. For the I, most part. I'm yeah. sure there's like certain forests and things. But I think what it is, is it's like, yeah, this isn't like deep in the like heart of the Amazon where no one's gone before or like the very tippy top of like the Northwest um, Canadian territories. It's like North Carolina. <laughs> there's just regular pterodactyls. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's harder for me to believe. Yeah. It's just because it's, well, and this plays into this last one, okay, let's which hear I really love. Actually, this might be my favorite. Well, I do love, uh, uh, Bokale, Babeme, but, oh, yeah. but, um, the dinosaur of, uh, of Ta Prome, I believe, I'm not sure how to pronounce that, but I, th I believe it's the dinosaur of, uh, Ta Prome and this notion of, Again, it's like seeing them in, you know, sort of modern day settings or kind of 
if this if there are flying ter- pterodactyls in the Carolinas, why is there like five people? Like, yes, because think about the parrots of L.A., like of Pasadena and yes. and what like Glendale and stuff. Yeah, like, people love those parrots. You see them all the time. Yeah. Like, why would you just see one pterodactyl? Yeah, exactly. Because how could it live forever? Then it means it must have lived forever because yeah, animals have to, bre- you know, have have to breed and reproduce. Pack. And like, it's not this notion of, because that, again, all, all disproves flat earth, uh, religious, you know, time frames or whatever, because it's like, yeah, the notion of evolution is it's like, you know, there are the, 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 the throwing up fact about dinosaurs that I feel like is my favorite dinosaur fact now is there is there is less time between there is less time between Tyrannosaurus and us than there was from Tyrannosaurus to Stegosaurus. Whoa! You know what I mean? Like that's fascinating. Like, I never heard that because we're only sixty-five million years to a T Rex, whereas the T Rex was like a hundred and something million years away from a Stegosaurus. That is so interesting. Yeah. And so a lot of this stuff of like... How the earth really did belong to dinosaurs. For so long. Like, who knows what they were capable of by the time they're like, oh, fuck. You know? Yeah. Or, or, or did they Or did they also like... Uh, I mean, they didn't have money, but... No, well, they clearly built a bunker and they've been hanging out <laughs> until recently. <laughs> yeah. They're down in the center of the earth, but... I do think that like... The fact that we haven't seen dinosaurs before and they are really interesting makes us want them to exist now. Like it feels, it feels weird that like we, something, an animal existed that doesn't exist anymore. Yes. And not in the way that like a dodo bird, because it's like, okay, well, we, we all get the idea of birds. Like we have birds now. Yeah. But we don't really have anything that like resembles a Tyrannosaurus Rex. And that feels like very hard to wrap your mind around that it could have existed. And then like it's unfair. It seems like we should get it now. And I think that desire to have it now leads to these types of like stories. Yes, 100%. Because it would be so great to be able to see one. So we want it to be true. Yeah. I mean, and that is ultimately like even when dinosaurs were first discovered, it's like people couldn't reconcile the idea that God would let one of its cre- creations go extinct. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that I didn't know ca- there was like that religious angle on it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Cause like. So are people like, we have to search for these animals? They must exist on the map somewhere still? I think it was a little bit of that, but then also the idea that the existence of dinosaurs was happening when Charles Darwin was starting to do his thing. And so, uh, like, it was almost like we can't ignore this fact about reality anymore, you know? Interesting. So, very broad. Although, that would be fun to look more into. Like, what were all the exact, like, if you did like a Billy Eichner of like dinosaurs, what do you think? Oh, I don't know. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's an affront to the Lord, you know, all this stuff. Listen, I live downtown. We could just run outside right now and start to <laughs> dinosaurs go. Yeah. What do you think? But the dinosaur of Ta Prom, I really love is actually not a cryptid sighting, but it is an interpretation of a, or it's a, it's a, it's it's a drawing of a cryptid. Um, is it, I was like, what's? what's- I uh, I went outside and I saw an illustration walking around. <laughs> I saw one of those like S Stussy things, and it yeah. actually was a real life creature. We're just drawing its. Yeah, bones. it just had little feet, and yeah. <laughs> um, is a is a bas relief um, in the medi- in the medieval Cambodian temple monastery of Ta Prom. So when oh. I think of like Cambodian monasteries, I think of Angkor Wat. And like at the end of In the Mood for Love. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, 
they use that area of Cambodia for one of the Star Wars movies, like that kind of beautiful, um, yeah, like Cambodia. So it's like jungles and these, these like, yeah, really natural, like all the temples will have such a really, I mean, it's just unlike anything else. You have know. you been to Cambodia? No, I've never, I've never been to Cambodia. But yeah, it's very cinematic. And I think that's why um, Wong Kar Wai used it for the end of In the Mood for Love. It's such Absolutely. a like elegiac, you know, with Tony Lung whispering into the hole. Mm. It's my favorite movie of all time. I, I mean, I guess Jurassic Park is, but like In the Mood for Love is my favorite. Yeah, but movie. that's like your your artsy fartsy. Yeah, I mean, we. I feel yeah, like most gorgeous. people know Ang- Angkor Wat, like these kind of pine coney looking um spires with a mix of like more flat kind of stone because well, it blends into the landscape really nicely yeah it, like complements nature instead of being a blight on it like a lot of american architecture <laughs> yes exactly i mean now that we got all the 12 foot skeletons up everywhere i'm kind of glad we're sort of returning a little bit to yes that feels more natural yes yes <laughs> so uh, Taprom is another monastery like Angkor Wat. Um, and numerous reliefs of various different animals are present. But huh. the dinosaur is one of the more ambiguous artworks. The relief first gained, mo- uh, the relief first gained modern notoriety in the late 1990s when the lobe like ornaments running down the animal's back were compared to the plates of stegosaurian dinosaurs. Oh, yeah. That looks exactly like a stegosaurus. <laughs> Even the little. Spiky tail. Yeah. So, um, so there's a picture that's like, that's like carved in one of the. Oh, wait, I'm seeing it now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I was looking at another picture. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, no. This one right here. Wow. That's cool. It does look really cool. It basically is like a circle. It is sort of all these kind of reliefs and stuff, but then it, like from far away, it's like a pretty convincing. It's very obviously a stegosaurus. Because it's got the tail plates or it's got the back plates. Yeah. Um, and it has like, yeah, it's got a hump. It's got shorter legs and a shorter tail. Yeah. So, and then this says that it doesn't have tail spikes, but I think from far away, you could probably like, your brain is already putting them in there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I wonder if it was like, um, any, uh, what are those little... Those guys that turn into little balls in the Southwest. Porcupines? Uh, armadillos? Uh, armadillo. Yeah. It sort of has an armadillo vibe to it. Yes. And so uh, this, this year, this is that. Yeah. It's located in the Temple Monastery of Taprom in Cambodia. Within the temple, um, there's different reliefs with all these different animals. Um, this relief was first gained widespread notoriety, uh, recognition in modern times. Um when its strange appearance was pointed out in a guidebook in 1997, Angkor Cities and Temples by Michael Freeman and Claude Jacques, 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 uh, Jacques, Jacques. We haven't really done great with the French today. No, no, sorry. Um, uh, in their later 1999 book, Ancient Angkor, Freeman and Jacques, 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 I don't know. Uh, Jacques, uh, again, highlighted the relief and referred to it as a very convincing representation of a stegosaur. Um, uh, but so, oh yeah, this is the part I was looking for. It is likely that these, um, the plates on its back mm-hmm. are meant to be stylized lotus leaves or petals in the background. Oh. So not part of the creature itself, but sort of like, you know, again, like 
um, realistic representational artwork ruined all of us. Right. Or or realistic three-point perspective ruined... um, Yeah, uh, well, in the carving, it's it's carved within a circle. And then on the outside of the circle, there are like petal like carvings as well that look like they're the exact same style of what's on the back of the creature that could be petal. So like the inner circle looks a lot like the outer circle right here. Like these two parts complement each other. So it's sort of like blending into nature. Yeah. So it does. I could see that as like those aren't meant to be plates on the back. They're meant to be. Yeah, design Points. around the well, and it animal. also and it also says that the ornamentations reliefs depicting water buffalo and a bird heifer also have the same circly plates. Oh, well, that's so it's almost like different animals in the center. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So it's that idea that like these these things aren't supposed to be part of the creature in the center. But yeah, I like, mean, again, from far away, it looks really, it really good. does look like it. It's just like a magic eye. I feel like when you look at something hard enough, you're like, wait, I see a recognizable yeah. shape in there. Yeah. Again, your brain wants to, your brain wants to understand everything that it sees. Yes. And so if you look at something and it's um, not what you're used to looking at, your brain's going to fill in the extra parts that are missing. I don't yeah. think that people realize that our brains are doing that all the time. Like the way our eyes aren't actually seeing everything that we think we're seeing. There's like a lot that's being filled in. Yes. Well, I, be- I, I watched, I feel like this is the first mention of TikTok on see Jurassic, right? Uh, <laughs> it might not be, but uh, I was just, I think it was either Hank green or, you know, one of the science people on TikTok sort of saying how, you know, we have like to test blind spots, the like cover, the like, like our brain fills in information that is that is not there and doesn't necessarily trust what is actually there versus mm-hmm. what the brain filled in the gap there. Yeah, in that way, which is, is nuts. Yeah, yeah, we don't actually know what <laughs> what's around us yeah. to an extent. And the Lord said, "Oh, that's the turn at the end of this podcast." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Therefore, please join our ministry. Yes, yes. Uh, the Church of Halloween. Um, but I, but so it's really funny because again, I just I feel like ever since, uh, yeah, just I mean, I feel like both you and I are also really obsessed with just like when people write history and write stories, and it's like that also affects how the story is told and all that stuff, historiography and all that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, everything is a game of telephone to an extent, and then whoever is the dominant party is going to be talking the most and the loudest. So, like, those are the stories that get the most hype. And I talk about this a lot on the podcast because like a lot of what we think of as like Halloween history has been given to us by the Romans because they like conquered, Mm -hmm. you know, most of Europe. And the only reason that we still have Halloween is because they couldn't get to Ireland because it was an island. Wow. And so they they didn't they didn't make it there. They weren't able to uh go there. And that's why like the Celts who used to live all over um Europe and there were different tribes similar to the Celtic people all over, but they all got wiped out by the Romans. And so it's the Romans who wrote a lot of like, oh, they, um, the Celts were sacrificing animals mm. and children and like this idea of like devil worship because it was tr- through the eyes of Catholics. Yes. Okay. You yeah. know, like yeah. s- Halloween has something to do with the devil. They weren't even, they don't believe in the devil. That's Catholic. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. There's yeah. no saying that people are like Halloween's related to Satanism. I'm like, 
Well, then you're saying Halloween's a Christian holiday and it's not. Yeah, yeah. That's the whole point is they resisted it. <laughs> yes. That's no, yeah, that, that's so, so important to keep in mind all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So we're repeating the things that we've been told by people who have won wars. Yes. And the people you win wars with propaganda because that's part of it. That's how you get everybody on board. That's indoctrination. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. So it's like if we're being told that, like, oh yeah, these um I don't know. These dinosaurs are, they're living here. And like, this is a picture of a dinosaur. Like as soon as I look at it, I'm like, oh, that's obviously a picture of a dinosaur. Yeah. But like, if you're told that over and over and over, why would you start to be like, oh, maybe it's petals? Yeah. Yeah. No, of course. You hear first that it's petals. Well, and even in this, even in this article, they, it's not like they're sharing other pictures. So I don't like, yeah, if we got to see the other pictures, as soon as I saw the other ones, I'd be like, well, I'm not seeing the plates anymore as a stegosaurus. Right. Now it's like this consecutive like pattern that's across all of these reliefs. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then this Wikipedia says the relief has garnered relatively little scientific interest. Go to That's six for the source. Here. Conventional. Um, let's see. What was the other? Um, oh, so another possibility is that the relief was either made or altered by a modern hoaxer. Toprom uh, is often used by film crews, and this particular image could have been carved as a joke. The relief is relatively lighter than the surrounding carvings, which could suggest that it was made or altered relatively recently. Um, alternatively, this could have resulted from it being cleaned or visitors making molds of it. So interesting. So there's that. Well, you know, it just I feel like I love that. I wanted to tell that one last because it kind of covers the gamut of every like. Right, how oh. we tell stories and yeah. like how our culture passes down um, urban legends. Yes. It's really interesting. I mean, that's what I do like about cryptids is I think it's a reflection of like our culture and the things that we value and the things that we find interesting, the things that we're scared of. So they're important. And I think that's why, too, with them like pterodactyls in Minnesota and in North Carolina, because typically with cryptids, they're all in a, a region. They reflect yeah. that region's. Yes, um, Mothman very much feels like a lot of anxieties about the time it was in and all that kind of stuff. And yeah. Place and, and yeah, this horrible like disaster that happened trying to make some sort of um, pattern, yes. some reason to something that like really is just. The thing is, reality is just not that interesting. It's like these boring <laughs> things of like, whoops, we didn't check the bridge. Like we were yeah. supposed to have somebody work on it every year and we just like stopped paying that person. Yeah. Like that's boring compared to like this mo- this other creature was like involved, you know? Yeah, no, of course. Yeah, no. Uh, again, this, you know, going, you know, all the way from, you know, the uh, Mokale Membe of like uplifting and sort of supporting racism and, uh, you know, uh, colonialist ideas by spreading those things of the creature in the forest that, you know. Yeah. It's like, yeah. yeah. It's like this dangerous place. Yeah. Right. Where it's like, yeah, you're also like scared of the people and you are trying to um, have reasons to eradicate or enslave or at least like push them to the very edges of like their society so that you can live there now. Yeah. Like as long it's interesting the way that it's either used to explain tragedies that have happened or to other a group of people yeah. in a society. Yeah. And I think it's it's important to I, I personally am like again, like that idea of like there's the unknowable part mm-hmm. that is important to keep um 
it's just important to check in with your cryptids, you know? You know, you know what I <laughs> yeah, mean? Yeah, any updates on them. Just like, make sure they're doing it for the right reasons. They're yeah. roaming around. I don't think that creature, I don't think that alien in science had any agenda. He just walked by that birthday party. No, you he, know? Was he was just, just chilling. checking out a party. He <laughs> saw their balloons. <laughs> and he was like, oh, is this open to everybody? No, no. Okay, I'm, I'm walking by. I'm walking by. Everyone's screaming. I'll leave. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh Thank you so much, Lucy. Yeah, thank you for having me. I love our Halloween episodes so much. And I, I don't, I haven't talked about cryptids at all on It's Always Halloween because it's mostly at this point, we're sort of like a, we've kind of gone from talking about international history throughout time to talking about like personal histories because mm-hmm. uh, I'm really interested in the way that our individual histories come together to create a larger history. And again, that idea of like so much of what history is told to us is by like some very specific group of people. And I think part of changing that is collecting stories and personal histories Mm -hmm. and like kind of platforming those and not just being like, we're just going to tell the same thing from my perspective yeah yeah from like leaders that were elected by very specific people for specific reasons with agendas and i think the more that we you know collect personal histories kind of like um you know i love humans of new york yes you know i'm sort of doing them like humans of halloween i love that yeah no that's so great and it's cool because i'm not just in one city so like you know, we're getting calls and letters from people all over from so Australia, from Transylvania, oh from Argentina. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, it's amazing. We, I just got a message from a girl from France today. Like, oh no, we have to apologize to her. So <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I did. She like messaged me on Instagram and I had to do the like C translation. Whoa. And I was like, cool. And then I wrote, I'm like, I do know how to say merci beaucoup. So I like wrote that and then I did the rest in English. Nailed it. Yeah. Nailed it. You did great. <laughs> But it yeah. is like this great thing of being able to tell stories about people's personal traditions and like cultural traditions and like their festivals of the dead and how they celebrate in these different countries. And you can see all these overlaps with like an American Halloween or a Western Halloween. You can see how we're really not like we're not that different from each other. We all want to celebrate being alive and like <laughs> we all want to acknowledge, you know, the how close we are to death and like yeah. to remember those who have died and keep them close to us. And like Halloween is so much about honoring that, you know, the past and the present and like acknowledging our lives. And I think that's like very a key component to seeing each other's humanity. It's like not just our own, but being like, oh, you also have this like rich life of traditions. Like you are no longer an other to me because you live in a different state or a different country or you speak a different language. All of a sudden we're like actually the same because you, you know, it can be a small thing where it's like, oh, you also go to harvest festival, you know, but I think it is a little, obviously politics and like major um, policies are make a big impact on people's day-to-day lives. And there's so many things we can't take credit for, or try to stop as individuals. But I do think as individuals, what we can do is connect with each other through mm-hmm. storytelling yeah. and, and break down like those barriers that larger, you know, forces are trying to create between us by, by, but just stereotyping large swaths of people. Well, I mean, yeah, you said it earlier. It's like, it's, like not even just in our visual brain, but like the ideas we fill in the gaps. And and so that sometimes is the process of which we disconnect from people. So that's you actually, such a great point. Like yeah. our brains are filling the gaps. Oh, that's just that kind of person. I don't need to engage with them. Yeah. But exactly. it is like, once you actually do engage with people and their personal stories and their histories, then you're like, 
oh, I'm not seeing people as concepts and like ideas and projections anymore. You're like, oh, that's just another person there. Yes. They're a whole being. And there's a lot of overlap between us. Yeah. And like, that's what we need to do, I think, to pull ourselves out of uh, (laughs) a hurdle towards um, fascist authoritarianism is to like be connecting with people on like a human level and giving each other like the opportunity to be like, don't my life matters. Yeah, the grace, the grace, you know. Yeah, that's yeah. That's what I think a lot about. But. So that's, I mean, I know that's a very big uh, undertaking to say like, that's what the podcast is trying to do. But, yeah. you know, um, I just, Halloween's really special to me because it's a non-religious holiday. Yeah. And it's the only kind of major holiday that's like not connected to uh, politics or religion. And I just, and, it, and it's worldwide, you know, yeah. and there, again, not every culture celebrates Halloween, but every culture has a festival of the dead mm. and a, like a harvest sort of changing of, um, you know, summer into winter yeah. kind of thing. Uh, everybody celebrates the equinox, you know, so I do, it is important to me to be able to connect with people and, um, and, and make the world feel a little bit smaller in a good way yeah, for yeah, everybody. Yeah, so that's sort of what the podcast has turned into. If y'all haven't listened before, I always say start from the beginning because yeah. I go into, um, I do original research on like icons of Halloween and the different histories uh, dating back to antiquity. And I still do history episodes here and there, but they're just really large. They're like <laughs> 40 hours, 40 to 50 hours of work. And I'm, I, we don't have advertising yeah. and I, everything's through my Patreon, patreon.com slash it's always Halloween where I, I do um I do monthly movie nights, which I also present with history, and I do uh, I have a spooky book club. So yeah, if yeah. you're if you're sad that um, the 31st is upon us and you need a little more freakiness in your like day to day life, we read a spooky book every month of the year and discuss it. So, um, so we do a lot of fun things to keep the spirit of Halloween alive all year round without uh, necessarily being like specific Halloween as a tradition, yeah. but like. The spookiness, the ghosts, uh, appreciation for life, the mystery of what's beyond the veil, and and of course cryptids. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I was like, those twelve foot skeletons need something else to do for ten months out of the year. Yeah, know? exactly. They we we've seen really great ways that people have decorated their skeletons <laughs> for different. And I back feel to like school, absolutely back summer. to school. Bath. <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, uh, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I love these episodes. No, I uh, I, lo- yeah, I love these episodes too. And LTB comedy on everything. Yes, uh, Instagram and Twitter. And uh, I also, yeah, I do stand up and I'm a DIY filmmaker as well. So I love creating uh i love storytelling <laughs> i love creating my own work and i love my doing own stuff. cryptids yeah yeah exactly yeah. i do have a little collection of cryptids here <laughs> <laughs> and also lots of uh, very invasive cat species yes in my yeah apartment. <laughs> oh my gosh thank you again lisa yeah thank you happy halloween Ooh. dinosaur <laughs> <laughs>
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.